0: Imagine us falling off. (laughs) Never that. Combo Nation! What is up everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe joins in to talk Celtics basketball, the Spencer Haywood rule. And more just a fantastic conversation with gary you could find his work over at the boston globe intro music by luca beats let's get into it Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today, Gary?
1: Oh, really good, really good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well. You co-authored a book on Spencer Haywood. Um, I definitely want to get to Boston Celtics basketball, but before that, can you give me a brief overview of the book? And do you feel Spencer has gotten his just due for being a pioneer?
1: Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, The book's about his kind of his life and his words He's kind of a a real-life Forrest Gump, where he uh, is—he's been everywhere. He was, um, you know, literally a cotton picker. His mother was a cotton picker in Mississippi. Um, As a young man, he moved to Detroit as a high schooler uh, with family, and he became like a prep basketball phenom in the Detroit area. Then he was the youngest member of the '68 Olympic team, won a gold medal in '68. uh, Then played. Uh, college ball at the University of Detroit um sorry first uh community college at the University of Detroit and then uh became embroiled in one of the bigger controversies uh of American sports and uh, a ruling that changed American sports was he was the first one uh to what they called then hardship now it's just leaving school early entering the draft uh hardship is not really a case anymore but um, he fought in, in the 1970s, uh, there was a real fear from NBA owners that they didn't want young, especially African-American kids in the league. I mean, it's, it's sort of like it is now, obviously 19, they didn't want a bunch of 19 year olds from the inner city in the NBA. It was still a uh, kind of a white man's league, a very traditional league, a league that did not have a lot, um, of African-American players, but obviously in the 1960s, they were they were the, the numbers of African Americans playing basketball, and through, after the civil during the civil rights movement was on the rise, so they were coming. Um, so they wanted uh, athletes to have to graduate. I'm sorry, enter the draft four years after their high school graduation date, and you can do anything you want in that four year span. You can go to college, you can go over see whatever, but you were not going to go to the NBA. Uh, Haywood fought that rule, went to the Supreme Court. Uh, Third, Good Marshall uh, voted. Uh, it was a seven to two vote. Uh, voted for him uh, to be able to enter the NBA draft. He had played in the ABA. Right. It's another wrinkle to the story where, because he was not allowed the NBA, the the rival ABA. And if people don't really know about the NBA, I know a lot of young basketball fans don't really know about the ABA. Um, it is. I, I think it's it's awesome. Like you know, we see all these like uh, X Games and. UFC and all this stuff that's like alternative right. ways of looking at things. And that was like the, the ABA was like the first thing, the first league that said, we're going to buck the tradition and we're going to do it our way. And we're going to make this really fun for young people and people. Un- unfortunately, I mean, only last like nine years and they didn't get the appreciation and the NBA kind of sucked it in and a lot of great ABA players, didn't get benefits and all that and and suffering. But if you ever, you know, fans or viewers, watchers, if you ever want to just read about the ABA, some of the things, the, the ball, for instance, the colored ball was that did not start with the WNBA. The ABA was the first one with the red, white, and blue ball. I remember they sold those. I'm I'm going to date myself. They sold those in stores. Right. Um, You can probably get one now on Amazon. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you get one on Amazon, neat. I mean, those things were hot to trot, those ABA balls. And the the league was the coolest league. Unfortunately, it just, financially, the NBA was so so much more set. Um, But Spencer played in the ABA, then went to the NBA, um, and felt a lot of backlash from not only from owners who felt like he was kind of the beginning of the infiltration of a lot of the George Gervins, Moses Malones, uh, Julius Irvings, all these players from who were gifted and were ready for the NBA but came in before the, the owners wanted, and, and Spencer took a lot of blame for that. And uh, obviously married uh, Iman, right. uh, the model, before, David, before she married David Bowie. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a fascinating life. I do think he has gotten his respect over the last several years, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. He felt like the NBA kind of banished him. The NBA labeled him as a druggie, and junkie. And you know, that's the thing about our society now and how, you know, how things have just changed. Um, you know, in the 1970s late 1970s, early 1980s, a lot of professional sports, baseball, basketball, even football were dealing with, with drugs. Just like the society was, the cocaine thing was taken over. You know, it was, it was a party drug. You know, it's sort of like, you know, we could relate to crystal meth now or relate it to some of these, you know, drugs that people do, ecstasy, whatever you want to relate it to. But it was a a trendy drug for rich folks and people had no idea that it was so addictive. And so you had a lot of, um, you know, players in those times, you know, becoming addicts. And now we treat addicts. As it's, is it is a disease, we treat them as if they are they have a sickness. Back then, it was you're a junkie, you know, yeah. like homeless people. We treat them with like, okay, you're homeless, you need help. Then they're you're what they call them. They call them bums. That was an accepted label for someone who was homeless. Luckily, we've changed that label, and and luckily the junkie thing. And and Spencer felt like he got labeled as a junkie, and one of the you're you know it's you're you're the you know kind of the leader of the the. And, and Michael Ray Richardson's and some of those guys who had, you know, John Drew's some of those guys had real issues. And, you know, so, so now being inducted to the hall of fame, getting the appreciation that he deserves, I think he is getting his due, but it's long overdue. And he had to, he admitted in the book that he had to get over some personal issues and also kind of come to, to realization that he made some mistakes, but also forgive and forget like, you know, some of the people that, did him dirty and did him wrong or, or long gone. The league is a new league. Uh, and and he helped uh, change that. Did he
0: ever talk to you about how he felt when the league made age restriction again? I know it was agreed upon, but it is a little bit different, but did he have any feelings on that?
1: I don't think he was really, he was really like against high schoolers. I like mean, the the, the the one and done thing. Okay, um, I think, for him, and I think what happened was um, the view the rules have been a little viewed on differently because back then it was hardship. Literally, Spencer's mother was a cotton picker. like that's like people don't people think like that's not a, a label and that's not a cartoon or really that's not a Jamie Fox movie. like this is a dang, this is like he was a so he a lot of players went to wanted to play NBA at age 19 or 20 and was like, listen, my parents are poor. Like I can make, then I can make $250,000 a year, which back then was top salary for a lot of these guys. You know, it's hilarious now, but I can make $250,000 and make sure my mother pay off my parents' house or buy them a house, make sure my little brothers and sisters are okay. Like, and those are legit cases. So I think it changed once, obviously, um, the the the, the 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 hardship thing kind of then not to say that some of these guys coming out aren't financially strapped or need the money or do it for the money um it's a little different now it's just like hey they ready to get paid and they don't like school anymore that wasn't the case with Spencer Spencer had a they had a coaching change at the University of Detroit. Um he had a a Will Robinson his mentor uh did not get the job at the University of Detroit and Spencer thought he was he was uh, kind of encouraged to stay for another year at Detroit with the, with the, with the lure of we're going to hire him as a coach when they didn't, he said, I'm out. Um, mm-hmm. And back then, you know, transferring wasn't, wasn't as prevalent uh, in the early seventies as it is now. I mean, there was no real big transfer portal. Right. So he right. decided he decided I'm 20 years old. I'm a gold medalist. I led the nation in scoring. What am I doing here? Still yeah. playing college ball. So it he felt it was time and it was time. And I think that it's opened the doors for the Kevin Garnett's, LeBron James, Kobe right. Bryant, Kevin Durant, all these guys that are one and dones or or high schoolers to just have the freedom to do that. And I think a lot of them have given him his props for that. They've realized, they've read up a little bit and understood what he went through. Because I think what's we don't realize is that other players uh, kind of said, you know, some of the older players are like, they're going to take our jobs, dude. like we don't like mm-hmm. I don't if you're 33 and you got three kids and you're divorced and you're playing for the Indiana Pacers. You don't want uh, a 19 year old coming and taking your job. What are you going to do after that? A lot of those guys weren't necessarily happy. The fellow players weren't necessarily happy with Spencer for, for kind of pushing to change that rule. Yeah,
0: a pioneer in more than one ways. He actually went overseas as an NBA great when nobody was doing that. And, yes, yeah, another yeah.
1: Forrest Gump kind of moment. He went to Italy and yeah. was just cheered and as a kind of a hero there, and then came right. back and played for the Bullets. Yeah. Uh, let, helped let help the Bullets to the playoffs. Like a lot of things that, that you know, and I know they're working maybe on a movie, but just oh, he, deserve, he
0: deserves a movie for
1: sure. Yeah, yeah. before yeah. his time, because if this had happened now. Uh, right. There would already be a movie about it because he did. I mean, honestly, all the stuff that he went through playing for the Knicks in the late 1970s. Yeah, with yeah. Yeah, some of those,
0: some of those guys were a little bit past their prime, but they were.
1: great. yeah, yeah playing with Walt Frazier and Bill Bradley and those right, the right. Busher and those guys, and the you know when the Knicks were kind of losing steam there uh, with Earl the Pearl Monroe and those guys. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of stories.
0: Most definitely, I want to shift to current boston celtics basketball but actually take it a step back about a year ago i mean all the chatter was can the two jays play together and then something switched where the ball started moving better the offense got better everybody talks about the hockey assists there was more of those what do you think was the biggest shift there was it Emay's coaching was it a shift in Jalen and jason's mindset was it a cumulative of all those things like what are your thoughts on that when it comes to the shift of their offense
1: yeah, I think it was a, a change in the mindset. And here's the thing about those guys: like we look at the, we look at players like we all go back to Marbury and Garnett, right? Like if they had stayed together, could Minnesota have won championships with the, the with the dynamic duo? Right. Would Garnett have been on his own for all those years in Minnesota, where kind of? And then Marbury, you know, kind of wandered with the with the Nets and all. What you know, Marbury never found another home, and Garnett was left on his own trying to do it and beat up, you know, beat Tim Duncan and those guys and Kobe and Shaq on his own, right? So I think those guys, Tatum and Brown, looking was like, listen, we're we're friends. Like they they don't not get along. They get along, okay? It's, right, it's right. No- like, that's a really important thing here, the element. They're not jealous of each other. They're different cats. They are different cats. Like, you know, I think we all, you uh, know, previous generations all want to put the millennials, I guess that they're millennials or they're born in the 90s. I don't know the classification generation Z. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever they are, they, we all want to put them in a box and say they're all alike. They all love, they all love Drake. They all love them. They all like listen to the same music. They all dress the same way. They all do the same thing. Like not necessarily. Okay, they're different. Jason's a dad, obviously with a five-year-old son. Jalen's a kind of a, a social activist, but they have a healthy respect for each other, each other's games. And I think what was critical, Andrew, was that they both realized how important each other is to their success. And they, Tatum, ain't not want to win a championship by himself in Boston. And neither was Jalen Brown. So I think they learned how to play together, root for each other, support each other, and understand that they can coexist. And I think that was a, a kind of a transition year last year where obviously early last year people were saying, well, break the Jays up. One of them's got to go. It's got to be Jalen. You're not going to trade Jason Tatum. Like Jalen's got a kind of a, a nastiness in him mm-hmm. and – um and I think that they. I always thought they could play again. I think it was a major mistake if you would to tried to move, unless you're going to get another All Star in return, a Kevin Durant, you know, last year, some guy who's going to come in and just really, you know, take it to another level. Let those guys grow, and I think they understood we have to grow, and they want to bring a chance. It's been 14 years since they won the title, uh, two finals appearances, two losses in the last 14 years they realize like we like winning is important in Boston and we want to make this happen here. Um, And this is a rare opportunity for you to, like, I think they look at all the preventative stories of guys saying, listen, man, the grass ain't always greener, you know? Right. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when, you know, when you're given two guys about a year and a half apart, right. Jalen's a little older, both top 15 players now, Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. you say, right? Mm -hmm. 20, you you probably – I mean, if you argue that Jalen's a 20 as opposed to 15, but Tatum's top five and Jalen's, you know, 15 to 20, 13 to 15, whatever, you got to take advantage of that. You can't let your ego and your entourage and your people's – around you tell you that you could do it all on your own. Um, and I think they've realized that I think they enjoy playing together. And I think it was an interesting um, before a uh, game against Washington Wizards, a couple like uh, 10 days ago, or whatever, West South junior made a really interesting observation. He said last year, uh, you know, the difference between them this year, and last year it was okay. My turn. Okay. Your turn. Okay. Yeah, my exactly. Turn. Yep. And that was the difference. He said, This year it's not like that. And that's what they're learning. That's the next step. First, it was learn how to play together, realize you could play together, and don't let no people get in your head and tell you you can't play with Jalen play with Jason. They don't, they get along. You know, Jalen just had an event in Boston the other night for his foundation. Jason came out. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're friends. Are they, like, best – you don't have to be best of friends, you know? 100%. 100%. Yeah, like, but they – healthy respect for each other. They like each other. They give each other a hard time. So a good relationship there, and that's critical. And now they're taking it from the, like, we can play together. Okay, you – okay, I'll give you the ball. Okay, now you give me the ball. Okay, like, you get yours, I'll get mine. They've gone from that to now playing within the flow of the offense – scoring within the foot offense, playing more team ball, realizing that rebound is important. Steals are important. Assists are important on both sides. And last, you know, the win over, you know, Jalen goes for 20 points and win over Brooklyn. Jason got a slow start. Like the Celtics get off to this big, nice run and J and Jason had three points. So that takes pressure off. And of course, does does Jason want to like, be, score twenty, also, yeah. But he realizes he doesn't have to. And this is a long season, and you don't want to. Ha- you don't want the hard nitis where you you carry your team all the way to the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you you out of gas by the conference finals. You're playing. You're shelling yourself. So I think they've learned how to coexist, and they've learned how to help and compre- um, complement each other. And that's been huge for this team.
0: So fast forwarding to this season, I talked a little bit about when that shift has made, but this season, historical offensive numbers. Um, what impact has Coach Missoula made with this franchise being the head coach now?
1: Stabilized things after the issues of Emi and Doka, giving them a kind of a, a not a, a mentor, okay? Because he's 34. So kind of an older brother for some of mm-hmm. these guys. Okay. Um, uh, A a friend, if you're Al Horford, who's older than he is, but (laughs) a guy who is dead serious and like Ime was, who is focused, focused on the big picture Um, and with a kind of a um, humility that, hey, guys, you got something you want to say to me? You got some suggestions? let it go, let it flow. So it's more of a teamwork thing than it is. If you hire a 56 year old coach, Yeah, he's going to kind of, you know, do it his way. Like, you know, we see the issues in Atlanta with Nate McMillan and Trey young, right? Like Nate's an old school guy. Okay. He's fourth, whatever, fourth NBA job, fourth head coaching job, right. Um, Seattle, Portland, Indiana, now Atlanta, like he is setting his ways. He's going to, you know, Here it's a little bit different because of the age, the same age. And I think that also they've upgraded their roster to where they shoot better. Yeah, they do. Sam Hauser, they've been a great addition. I think, you know, what the Celtics feel like they aired at, which they did was a few years ago, they had Max Struess in their camp and they had him on a two way and they could have, Spent that what was it, 18, 19 years, something like that, cultivating him, letting him get his G League reps in because he could shoot. He
0: they didn't know shoot. they didn't know he would be this level of player in the NBA. Oh. Yeah.
1: And then they kind of let him. They Javante Green, who's now started with the Bulls, they've had some talent come in. You know, kind of beat him out for that last roster spot, and then they decided to choose another year of Taco Fall and let uh, Struess go. And Struz goes to Chicago for a minute, kind of gets his sea legs. And then now in Miami, he's a shooter. And I think the Celtics looked at Hauser. They said, "Okay, we're not making that mistake again. We're not going to give up on this guy because he needs a year of development and G League time and all that. So Hauser, if you look at his numbers last year, he played 13 games. And then, but he learned practiced, and he, fill, he
0: fills the gap because a lot of those yes. a lot of the guys on the Celtics do like the basketball, even though they're doing a great job now of moving the basketball.
1: Yeah. So he and he, he's a he's the shooter that they've sought since literally Eddie House, like 12, 13 years ago. Like they haven't had, they thought it would be Aaron Neesmith when they drafted Aaron Nismith. They thought, like, they really thought it Aaron Eastmith. I mean, if you bring his name up. And then passing up on Desmond Bain, that's still real sticky for Celtic fans. They, they're still pissed about that draft. Even though Neesmith helped them get Brogdon there. I mean, anything that, that Desmond Bain does, Celtic fans are like, wow, we had a we had 14th, the 14th pick, and we let that dude go to 30. And that dude went 30th. And, they, yeah. and remember, that was a Celtics pick that they traded. They drafted Bay and traded to Memphis they didn't want three first-round picks. So it's, it's 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 a touchy subject. But now you have a legit shooter in um, Hauser. You have Brogdon who can shoot, and Derek White stepped his game up. I was not high on the Derek White deal. I thought Josh Richardson could do some of the things he did. I thought they gave up a little too much. Not only Romeo Langford, who's probably not going to be much of a – rotation but more anything more than a rotational guy uh but they gave a first round pick I thought they gave up a lot for white and I don't think white was quite ready for the challenge last year I think he had his moments and then after game one of the finals he just kind of disappeared but this year he's playing he's playing ball he's playing a lot more confident and I guess it shows you Andrew like how much confidence plays in the NBA and professional sports like we all think these guys Hey, you're six seven, and you know, you're 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 a celebrity, professional athlete. Who why would you lack in any confidence? What's wrong? Like, we're regular guys here. You know, we're confident most for the most part, but you why would you lack any confidence being a six foot-seven pro ball player, right? But some of these dudes do lack confidence at times when they hit the floor. And I think with white. It was critical. He got comfort because he was giving us the well. I get a full training camp this year. And he was right about that. A full training camp, full year with the guys, more comfort. He's become a much better player. And that's why they're just taking off is that all of the guys they brought back, Pritchard, Hauser, White, have played very well. Yes. Um, then Brogdon has come in and done exactly what they wanted him to do. Al Horford's still doing good, good things. And they haven't even gotten Robert Williams back.
0: I think the Malcolm Brogdon roster move was tremendously under discussed because last year in the playoffs, they needed somebody like him off the bench, right? Right now, he's not playing as much in crunch time, but do you expect him to play more crunch time minutes when the playoffs roll around?
1: Yeah, I think he'll, I think they'll throw him in in, in different situations. I think that they like the versatility and I think they're giving him the green. He likes to shoot. You know, they're giving him the green light to shoot. And I think that's a good thing. Like he can, he can, you know, I think people will, you know, is he going to start a point? He's going to take Marcus's minutes and all that. What they've done with him is like, dude, be microwave, be the guy who could be the Jordan Clarkson, come out. If you're hot that day, lead us, lead the second unit. That's what they're telling him, you know? um, And I think he's adapted to that role because now he has the green light. And do I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see, and you like, what happens? in game six against the Bucks? four minutes left, they're up three. Who's running the offense to make – because we all know that that they struggled last year in those closeout situations. And that probably costs them the finals. If they close out that game four, they're up 3-1, and, you know, they probably win that series. Instead, Curry went nuts. They lost, yeah. you know, never to be seen again. He didn't win another game in that series. Do you think they win that series if they have
0: Brogdon last year? Uh, I mean, like Steph Curry might have uh, who knows if they if yeah, no, better, oh,
1: Curry, I think they Curry I think they have a good shot. Right? Yeah. I think it definitely goes seven. And if if anything, and I think Brock Brogdon's Marcus was still at that. Marcus has been very good this year in terms of not taking too many shots. And I think the offense got stagnant. And could you blame? Uh, You for that. Who knows? Like the offense got stagnant uh, last year down the stretch. It was that. okay, Jason, take on three defenders. And then if you don't see anybody try to throw a late pass to Horford for a three like they are moving the ball much better this year than they did last year. The layups, the backdoor plays, just making the game easier for each for, for each other
0: obviously you don't have the same defensive ceiling without Robert Williams, but do you think some of that ball movement is because they could play more five out offense, four out offense without Robert Williams in the lineup?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, you're not playing with a true five and Horford can bring you out and shoot the three. Now he's an inconsistent three point shooter. You know, I think he's 34% something like that. Like he's not elite or whatever, but he's, he's, you gotta go out and get him out there. And, and there's times, I mean, he hit, I think what he hit. What he hit four, four threes in the first quarter or whatever at New Orleans. Like, so he can get hot. So I think, yeah, like that makes them very difficult to guard when you're playing five out and you're w- moving the ball and those guys are moving without the ball, not just standing there watching each other. Or Marcus is not dribbling the ball down to, to nine on the shot clock. And then, go, okay, guys, now let's get into our offense. Like you could see constantly, Missoula. Like go, push the ball. Like Get up. Don't let the defense get set. Get up the floor. Get that open shot. And then the guy I haven't mentioned, Andrews, Grant Williams. Another yeah. – <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't mention him. Team, real, team is, this team is so deep. Yeah, Crazy. no, most yeah. like the Grant. Grant's having a career year at the perfect time because his price done gone up. Uh, the Celtics could have had him. Yesterday's um,
0: price is not today's price. Yeah,
1: and then, <laughs> not today's price. Uh, you'd be saying that every, damn near every day now. Uh because now he's worked, he's going to that 20 per year. They probably could have gotten him at maybe 15, 14, 15 um before the season. Now it's now it's four and eighty or something like that. So let's see if the Celtics are gonna prepare to pay him four and eighty. And and if you want to look further down the road, Andrew. The Tatum Jalen and the Tatum are both gonna come up. Not soon, soon, but soon enough. Right. And Tatum has the last year of his contract is now laughable. It wasn't laughable a couple of years ago. The last year of his contract to opt out is thirty-seven million. He's Russell make Westbrook making forty-seven. So Jason's like, and remember, like uh, who's getting sixty? Is it Lillard who got six? Yeah. Like okay, so. Jason is like I think yeah. Michael Michael
0: Conley was getting 50 not too long ago, right? Yeah, like yeah, something like that, 50, right?
1: The 50 guys are I think I think Car Anthony Towns, the 50 guys have arrived. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. So
1: Jason, safe to say, will opt out of the final year that you deal at 37 million, and they're gonna have to do the five, two fifty or whatever, whatever is uh we'll see if the next collective bargaining agreement whatever the next like max deal is for a eighth year, ninth year guy. So he'll get, I mean, they're going to have to give him the bank and they have to figure out, they give Jalen the bank too, and then Grant, and then who knows who else comes up, you know, but that's problems down the road, but Grant's value keeps coming up. And now he's going to play a good solid. If he plays a good solid year, his, stock rise, and he'll be restricted and you know somebody with some cap space will you know might give him throw throw him not the bank I don't know if he backs him but throw him something substantial um to 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 where it may be a, a more sizable role
0: so let's finish with this um obviously the team is playing great as of this moment but you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And to win a championship, they're gonna probably even have to get better because such yeah, a competitive league. So. What are the improvement areas for this team?
1: Well, defensively, they got to get better. They, you know, they're getting better, but they were they were getting in the shootouts um, earlier in the season. They were winning. You know, they were they were like the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that, where they were they were winning forty five to forty three. You know, they were they were they were beating teams up offensively, but also taking a lot of shots, too, um, in terms of, you know, from from other opposing offenses and, you know, those Cleveland games where Donovan Mitchell was just killing them, 41. The, right. The, him and LaVert both had 40 points in the same game, that type of thing. You know, um, now they're getting better. They've got to – we'll see. I, I tend not to want to put everything on Robert Williams' return, one, because I think it's going to be slow – like he's a guy as you you know, he's not healthy very often, completely I'm gonna so, be t- I'm
0: gonna be totally honest with you, Gary. I watched him moving around a little bit and I think a Celtics practice and it looked ginger. Like he's still like he's moving around very gingerly, even though they're letting him play at this moment.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that they'll bring him back in 10 minute increments. Yeah. Like yeah. you just want him healthy in April. Like right, 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 know, right, right, if right, that right, costs right. you three, four wins or whatever, I think they feel like. I think they've bought themselves some time going night, nine, start 19 and five because obviously like, okay, that's 24 games. I think people were like, you know, without Robert Williams, they may be like, you know, 13 and 11 or something. Like, you know, there was a real concern that they would struggle right, without him. Cause it would be too many minutes of out and the Luke Cornette thing. No one knew people was like Luke Cornette. You like, <laughs> you know, Brad was telling us, Brad, he was telling us he's going to play minutes. Like, Minutes for who? Like, you know, <laughs> right. you better go get the white. You better go out there and get the White Howard or something. Or Marcus Cousins, like Luke Cornett. That's a joke. Are you joking? Like, but he proved us wrong. Luke Cornett has been a very productive player off the bench and done his little things. And um, they've even thrown Noah Vonleh and, and Blake Griffin here and there. So they have done enough to buy themselves time to make sure that Williams doesn't have to be forced back to try to, let's say, get a a number four C they're like, they wanted to boat race their early schedule and collect some wins and give themselves a break. So they didn't wear themselves out in the second half like last year. I think they're doing that. So defensively, they need to improve. And I think guys could always improve in terms of like ball movement, shooting, uh, that type of thing. I think that, you know, and uh, who knows, they might make a move at the deadline, you know, who knows who's available. I mean, I think, you know, they, they, they got to go for it this year. I mean, it's just too many variables to say. Well, the next coming years, we'll win. it like you know, a lot. Remember Oklahoma right. City? Oklahoma City thought they were going to be that that team, right? You know, in, in ten years ago, they thought, oh, we got we got the guys. We're we're definitely winning a chip in this stretch, right? Like it never happened.
0: Windows are usually shorter than you think.
1: Yes, and right. then something happens. Somebody leaves. Something you know, like so. This is the year. Golden State, it's not Golden State. There's mm-hmm. no real great team in the West. I think we're finding out. Everybody's flawed. Milwaukee's got to get them, their sea legs together. But that could be the major competition in the East. We don't know about Miami and Philadelphia. Brooklyn, you know, uh, yeah. I, you know, we could talk about the Nets and whatever. And, and, and the, the Hawks are having their problem. Remember, in Cleveland, as much as they beat the Celtics twice, so much respect to the Cavs, but they're not – They've shown some – some. you know, they lost by 11 at the Knicks the other night. You know, like, this is the year if you're a Celtics fan. Like, the Celtics ownership, like, put all your chips in and try to get a chip this year because you never know when you have a chance again.
0: Gary, great stuff. Safe travels. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find your work?
1: Uh, Boston Globe. Uh, if, if you have any, you know, questions, Gary.washburn at globe.com for any questions you want to talk basketball by twitter is g washburn globe i post stuff on that if you got any questions or everybody on twitter's got an opinion so if you got an opinion oh, yeah. let me know <laughs> you know we i'll get let you know mine and we can have a, a healthy conversation uh but yeah boston globe is is where all my work is
0: gary thanks so much for taking the time you're always welcome back and talk soon thanks Scott. thanks Andrew. appreciate it man anytime There it is, another episode of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Gary for joining in. We appreciate you. Big shouts to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you would like to receive bonus Combo's Court content, check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories and tag me on there one-two combo that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o and be on the lookout for episode four to five combo out